Hey family, do you feel it's time to make a shift in your life but have no idea where to start and can use some support? Well, the time has come. My Master Life class, Strategize Your Vision, is officially open and this is your opportunity to start living the life that was designed specifically with you in mind. Strategize Your Vision is for you if you are finally ready to embrace your purpose and walk in your truth to impact the world. You are willing to do the work necessary to eliminate negative core beliefs that's blocking your progress. Or maybe you are simply ready to receive the blessings that has your name on them. Strategize Your Vision will teach you step-by-step how to develop a strategy that touches every area of your life to ensure your purpose and vision are in alignment. Family, you no longer have to do life alone because together we're going to get you clear on your purpose, write your vision plainly, and build a strategy for making your vision a reality. So if you're ready, I'm ready. So let's do the work together. All you have to do is visit strategizeyourvision.com to enroll today. There is a lot of guilt associated with you breaking up your family, with you leaving, divorce. You know, everybody wants you to get back together. Everybody's like, oh, I'm praying for you to get back together. But that wasn't never my desire. So sometimes there there were times during the separation period where I kind of felt like, am I doing the right, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, am I doing the right thing for the long term? And then I kind of even got resolved with that. And I was like, yes, like I feel happy. I feel healthy. My children are healthy. My, I'm, I'm able to show my children love the way I've never been able to do it in the previous relationship, just because I don't have the stress um, and the trauma that came along with being in that type of situation. And so for me, it was like, my peace was worth it. Hey family, I'm Shamir. You're doing life with Lakeisha on Living Her Truth. Welcome to the Living Her Truth podcast, where we have honest conversations about what it means to live a purpose-driven life. I am your host, Lakeisha Wooder from LakeishaWooder.com, the place where women receive the tools necessary to feel seen, heard, and supported while pursuing their purpose. And now every week, you'll learn those same tools through candid and transparent conversations. Hey family, welcome to another episode. I am so excited that you are here. I do not take it lightly that you decided to hit that play button and spend about an hour of your time with me. So with that being said, I want you to know that I'm 100% invested in your self-awareness journey. So you better believe that every week I'm bringing my A game for providing you the tools that's necessary to live a more fulfilled and purpose-driven life. Now, over the past several weeks, we focus on how to use self-awareness to improve our relationships. You know, our relationships are a key factor in how we show up and operate in our purpose. But what about leaving a toxic relationship that no longer serves you? What if you have kids that are involved? How do you embrace the unknown without negatively affecting your children? Why should you forgive yourself for making a decision despite seeing warning signs in the beginning? You know, these are just some of the questions that we're going to address in this conversation, you know, in one form or another. So if you are in a relationship that seems a little shady, if you will, right? If you're in a situation or in a relationship that seems seems a little shady, but you need to know for sure, then you're definitely, you know, learn some signs to look for in this conversation. Because Shamir was so courageous to sit down and have this conversation with me to get her story out so she can help someone else who is possibly in the same situation that she was in. And I'm very excited for you to hear exactly how she used self-awareness to leave our toxic relationship. But before we get started, let me formally introduce you to Shamir. Shamir Norris is a creative and branding specialist with 16 years of experience in business and marketing consulting for startups and growth stage companies. An entrepreneur herself, Shamir founded her now Houston-based creative agency, Designs by Shamir, in 2016. Shamir started her first business at the age of nine and since then has started several businesses and successfully contributed to the growth and impact of 
hundreds of brands and corporations nationally. Most recently, Shamir added published author to her list of credentials with her de debut book, Path to Profits, How to Stop Thinking Like an Employee and Start Thinking Like an Entrepreneur. When she is not working on her own companies or client roster, Shamir is serving as the Director of Marketing for Queen Life Inc., a Houston-based nonprofit organization that focuses on financial literacy, health and wellness, and mentorship. All of her other time and in-between time is spent raising her beautiful and talented children, Gavin and Mackenzie. Family, please enjoy my conversation with Shamir Norris. Shamir, thank you so much for saying yes to having this conversation with us, with me today. <laughs> thank you for having me. Absolutely. So every episode, I like to just start off by talking about how I know the person that I am in conversation with. And so this episode is no different. So we know each other because you are on the board of one of my favorite um, nonprofits here in Houston, Texas, Queen Life Inc. <laughs> yes. And so we have rent run in the same circles, obviously, um, from me just attending some of the events for, for Queen Life. And then um, recently you reached out and asked to be on the podcast. And I was like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Of course. I would love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. This is awesome. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm super excited about our conversation tonight because you're going to give us something a little bit different. Um, over the last past couple of weeks, you know, I've been talking about everything from clarity on who finding, you know, gaining clarity on who we are, operating in our purpose, you know, from, you know, where we should start when it's time to operate in our purpose and things like that. And last week I had a conversation with Tara Carissa Hodges on soul ties. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about cutting soul ties in order to unblock ourselves from operating our purpose because soul ties can literally block us from doing just that. And Tara had a really interesting definition of soul ties. So, you know, she broke down soul ties just saying that our soul could be tied to, you know, a person, a place, a thing, situation, desire, right? But when we normally think of soul ties, we think of being tied to another person. That's right. like our general consists of it. And mm. the reason why I'm excited to have our conversation is because we're going to expand on that, expand on leaving a toxic relationship, like literally cutting that tie from a person to leave a, a toxic relationship. And you talked about, you mm. know, to me in our conversation briefly, that you use self-awareness. Yeah. as a tool to lead that toxic relationship. So if you don't mind, I would like to start off our conversation with just, you know, telling us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I had gotten to a point, like I kind of shared with you a little bit, you know, I was in a relationship for 14 years and was married for like seven of those 14 years. And um, just, you know, the relationship had become very unhealthy. And, you know, with kids involved in a relationship, um, you know, ages now, 12 and three, but then maybe one in what, 10, it just, you know, for me, I had to think about like the, the trauma that you always hear about adults kind of going through mm. and saying that they, they had issues from their childhood that they wish that this would have been different or that would have been different. So I felt like I had the control to change my children's narrative, um, for their adulthood and what their adulthood and their images of love would look like, um, as they grew older. And so I felt like that was my responsibility to do something to put them in an environment that was more conducive of showing what love looks like, um, with those actions, with those words, with those daily, um, habits, um, included. And so, a part of that was just me becoming self-aware to like, okay, I can do something about this. And then the next step of that, it was step of that step to that was just figuring out, okay, what does that actually look like in a practical meaning? Does that mean I divorce? Does that mean I separate? Does that mean we leave? Does that mean we do counseling? Um, you know, so there was a variation of different thoughts that kind of came through my mind and what actually worked for me was mommy's on the interview. What actually, I'm sorry. I'm over here momming. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so you're going to have to wait. Okay. When I get finished, I'll give you a snack. Okay. 
It's stuck on my feet. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. This okay. Okay, so um, what I did to, to remedy that was to decide that the best thing was to remove me and the children from the environment, um, just to kind of put us in like a more healthy space. And it's kind of like the thing where it says happy wife, happy life, but it's all happy mother, happy children. And so that's kind of what, what resonated with me. Like I needed to be in a positive environment so that I could have the joy that is necessary, that's needed to be able to parent my children properly and not have to had the toxicity that had become my marriage spill over into my actions, my tone, my attitude with them. I wish I had some sound effects because I would give you an applause right now because you don't, I mean, where do I start? Because there are so many women right now who are literally staying in toxic relationships for the kids because they feel as though that if they stay they they just want their children to be raised in a two-parent household right and so in order to give them that that experience they will stay in in that toxic relationship but i just think it takes so much bravery and courage to walk away from a toxic relationship and the fact that you thought about it from your from the perspective you just explained to us that I'm the mom. So I need to show my kids what a healthy relationship looks like. This is not it. So let me be the example. Let it start with me. And obviously that took self-awareness. But how did you even get to how do you even get to that point? Because when it's toxicity all around you, how do you like tap into how did you tap into that self-awareness? I, you know, like I said, my the the age gap with my between my son and my daughter, like I had already been through it with my son. So I knew, but I was always told that girls are different, that go, girls' emotions are different and that they hold on to things a lot differently. And so when I was pregnant with my daughter, I remember having the conversation with my ex telling him that, you know, I'm not going to take my daughter down the same road that we took my son down, which was a lot of, you know, chaos, just a lot of just stuff that children shouldn't have to like experience but a lot of times they do experience because that's just kind of how things end and nothing like abusive or anything like that but just you know like the words the language toxic tones um attitudes you know discourse disagreements yelling fuss like all the things that you know toxic relationships bring and my son had to witness a lot of that and it kind of changed him and his personality to where he is very timid he doesn't like loud noises he is afraid of confrontation he um I feel like our actions affected and impacted him. And me seeing how it impacts and affected him, I knew that I could not, could not, would not, will not uh, expose my daughter to that same type of upbringing. But yeah, like I knew that I couldn't put her through what we had put my son through. And that was like the, that was the thing that kind of kept kind of playing over and over in my head. Cause I remember like my earliest memories were at age three. And they say kids, their memories, you know, like that when they start to like long-term memory, they can remember up as early as age three. But they say it from like one to three, it's kind of like a blur where they're, they're, you know, their memory's not strong enough for them to remember things that happened at one and two, three, one, one, two and three. So I was like, I had a short window of time. Like my daughter was, you know, probably one at that point or, you know, up close to two. Well, she just turned three this year. So she was one and a half at that point when we actually decided to leave. And she was starting to talk, walk. And I started seeing her yelling and I started seeing her raising her voice. And when that happened, I was like, this is not what we're doing. This is not what we're doing. Cause now she's going to think that that's normal, you know? And so once I removed myself out of the situation and moved months later, my son told me, thank you. He was like, thank you for leaving because now I don't have to hear the constant arguing and bickering. And he was wow. at that time with 11. I was just going to ask, what's the age difference between your son and your daughter? So I guess it's like 10 years. Nine years, yeah, because he's 12 now and she's three. Okay, so it's like nine years. Wow. Like, and, and you know, that's that's another thing, too. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that your son said, told you, thank you. Thank you for getting us up out of that situation. Because I think the misnomer that a lot of parents have, moms in particular, is that I need to stay in this relationship for the kids. Yeah. But it's like, you have to realize the kids see the bad stuff like they see the arguing you know they see the tox they feel a toxicity you know and 
it's like you stand in there for the kids, but the kids want to leave too. And right. it's just so, and it's just so crazy how, cause I was talking to a friend and, you know, she said she talked to her daughter about leaving the marriage and the daughter was just like, well, mom, I don't know why you stayed around this long already you know so it's like you know we're doing these things for our children but it's like our children's looking at us like why don't you get us out of this why don't you you know he's doing this to you or saying this to you like why don't you just just leave and then we stand in a situation like i was in a situation because of the kids it's like we, we have to get a we in our mind we think that two parent household is better than one you know like i grew up like my dad never was in the home you know my mom was a single mom so for me there was an immense amount of pressure to stay together because it was like, I did not want my children to, I wanted to give them a chance. If they had opportunities to be in a two-parent household, I wanted to give them that chance. Um, and my mom did a great job with me, I feel. So it's not that I felt like I lacked being in a single-parent household, but because I had the opportunity to be in a two-parent household, I thought that this is the ideal situation. Like, let me do what I can do to make sure that this is my children's reality. But at the end of the day, it wasn't healthy. And the funny thing is, you know, here we are two years later and just recently, um, I think it was like around Thanksgiving time, my ex told me, thank you. He said, thank you for leaving. He said, thank you for leaving because my mother didn't leave. And he said, this is the reason why we have the issues that we had because we had to deal with this same type of trauma back when I grew up, but she didn't leave and she wasn't strong enough to leave. We didn't know how to leave, but you did. And so he told me, he thanked me. And it was like a full circle moment. So, uh, I mean, not to be putting his, his business out on blast. Okay. Well, does he go, did he go and get help? I mean, I'm glad that he thanked you, but did he go and get, but did he go and get help? Like, yeah, he actually, he went to therapy. He went to therapy, um, shortly after we uh, broke up, uh, and went to therapy for several months. Um, Good for him. I think that it was, it was a part of that that helped and then he got of course more involved with church and then I think he goes to like a men's group meeting on Mondays at a barbershop and they kind of have like men talk like where they talk about their feelings and emotions and things like that and so I think it just was a combination of all of those things mm -hmm. where he came to a point where he was just like you know I just want to thank you like he was like I didn't see well, he said when you left it didn't feel good and of course it's taken me a long time to really get to this place but he just like I want to just thank you for doing what was best for you and the children wow that's that's amazing you know i don't I, who says that who mess up and says thank you you know so i i think that helped that probably helped you out a lot just to get that thank you from him right right absolutely because it just was kind of like i didn't a i didn't expect it yeah um, and then it was like okay so this wasn't in vain you know because of course there is a lot of guilt associated with you breaking up your family, with you leaving, divorce. You know, everybody wants you to get back together. Everybody's like, oh, I'm praying for you to get back together. But that wasn't never my desire. So sometimes there were, there were times during the separation period where I kind of felt like, am I doing the right? Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, am I doing the right thing for the long term? you know where Absolutely. you kind of like have to question it and then I kind of even got resolved with that and I was like yes like I feel happy I feel healthy my children are healthy my I'm sh I'm able to show my children love the way I've never been able to do it in the previous relationship just because I don't have the stress um and the trauma that came along with being in that type of situation and so for me it was like my peace was worth it you know the peace overall the peace internally externally was worth it but it wasn't always peaceful like I I, I I wasn't always where I'm at today and I definitely would have to credit that piece to like I started going to therapy last year in about April and that's what really helped me start to kind of process some of these emotions and thoughts um a little bit further a little bit deeper um so that I could heal mm -hmm. you know what good for you <laughs> This is why I talk about self-awareness and self-awareness is, is so important because like you said, there were people that was praying for your marriage to stay together. And it's absolutely nothing wrong with that because you want a, a support system. We all need a support system. But at the end of the day, we have to do what's best 
for for us in our situation and that's the hardest thing you know for us to do especially when it's opposite of what it is that you really want i mean you wanting your kids wanting to raise your kids in a two-parent household you know i feel as though that's probably every parent's dream and 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 want but is that the best situation is that reality you know, like what's the best situation, you know, not only for the kids, but for you as well, because you set an example for, you know, for your children. I think a lot of, you know, um, parents and, and I'm not, and I'm not a mom yet. Let me just go ahead and, and put that out there. Hubby and I haven't had kids yet, but I feel like, you know, as moms, we put all of this pressure on us, on ourselves to do over and beyond for our children and give our children what it is that we didn't have growing up, which is nothing wrong with that. That's admirable. But at the same time, we have to be an, be an example of showing our kids how to put self first. Yes. In a, and in, in not in an egotistical way, but we have to show our kids what self-care looks like. What does, you know, becoming aware of who you are and operating from that place, what does that look like? Because our kids, you know, we can talk to our kids all day long. They hear us. Yes, they do. But they're also watching us, though. They're watching us. They are picking up on our, our, our habits. You know, they're picking up what we like and what we don't like, you know, and they're internalizing it. And then when they become, an, become adults, they mimic those same, those yeah, same bad habits and good habits. They emulate it because a lot of times it's, you don't even know, you don't yeah. know what you don't know. And then the second part of that is if you don't know, some things is normal to people. Some things is toxicity mm -hmm. can be normal to some people if they've never been shown anything different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so some people don't even know that they're in bad situations because they don't have anything else to compare it to. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. And that's why in my class, Strategize Your Vision, I talk about embracing change. Because like you say, if, if you if this is all you know, you don't know anything different. So you have to change the, you know, change, you may have to change the place where you live. You may have to change the people that you hang around. You may have to change the place where you worship. So you can see something different to know that there is you know, to know that there is a problem. Right. Right. But at the same time, deep down inside, you can get an inkling just based off of how you feel though. Because even in a toxic situation, even though that's all that you know, it doesn't feel right on the inside. Like there's something on the inside of you that's letting you know that this ain't right. And I don't like the way that this feels. And we need to learn to honor that and listen to that and not be afraid to explore what that feeling is mm -hmm. right in order to know and find out what it is that that we don't know and I think about your story and I'm so glad that you say this because I'm very transparent about my story you know if you if anybody has ever heard my story you already know that I was sexually abused by my mom's husband for eight years right so obviously that's a traumatic experience, but that's not every, you know, but that's not everybody's story. And the fact that in your situation, you literally said it wasn't physical, it was verbal. That's trauma. Trauma mm -hmm. comes in different, you know, forms, shapes and sizes or whatever. And I'm so happy that you mentioned that because there are people right now who are being verbally abused mm -hmm. and they think it's okay. It was, right? was also financially abused. It wasn't just verbal. It was verbal. Mm -hmm. It was financial abuse. Um, Break that down for us, for the yeah. people who may not understand what you mean when you say financial abuse, because I know, but break yeah. that down for people who may not understand. Well, financial abuse is when uh, your mate, your spouse, they hold things over your head, you know, in regards to finances, or they ration certain portions of finances out to you, or they withhold finances from you for things that you, essential needs that you have, um, in a manner of trying to control you. And so in my instance, I remember back when it was just my son, cause like these things didn't just start when I left, right? There were things that happened early on that you kind of sweep under the rug and you say, ah, oh, you know, this is not a big deal. Or, you know, in marriages, there's highs and there's lows. So there's periods where things are really great and there's been the periods when things are really bad. So some of the earlier instances I can remember when my son was like maybe like two or three, you know, it actually started when I was pregnant. I was pregnant. I wound up, uh, I think I either quit my job or lost my job. I can't remember which one it was. 
um, I was, I was working for a temp company and I, they had me on an assignment. And so, like I said, I don't know if I lost it or quit. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember, but mm-hmm. I remember needing, um, maternity pants mm. and he wouldn't buy them for me. And like, I literally had like cuts on the sides of my stomach from the zippers from, you know, folding it down or whatever. And I just couldn't understand, like, why won't you buy me maternity pants? Like, I need these pants because, like, I'm telling you that this is what's going on. And it was, that was very small, but it's something that I remember. So that was, like, one of the very, very first signs of the financial abuse because prior to that, I had worked. Prior to that, I made more money than he did. But this was a time where I was totally relying on him. I'm pregnant, couldn't really get a job, got this big old belly. Who's going to hire you? Mm-hmm. You know, so I was totally relying on him. And so during that time, you know, he would often work out of town. And so he would send money, but like in small portions, like, okay, here's $200 for like two weeks or the week. And so that was supposed to do gas. That was supposed to do, you know, whatever it is that I needed, food, just whatever, whatever, you know, maybe $100, $200 for the week. And um, it, it, it didn't feel great. It didn't feel great. And I was vulnerable because here I am thinking that, you know, hey, I'm in love. I'm pregnant. I'm carrying his baby. Like, I thought it was going to be different, you know? And so I was just like, okay, you know, this season is going to pass. I'm going to go get it. I'm a naturally driven person. So I think what I started to do, like, because we didn't really talk about my previous experience, but I'm a graphic designer and web designer for a trade. So I always had, like, a hustle. Like, I'm like, okay, I can do some client work over here. So that's actually how I started getting revenue for myself back during my first pregnancy when I was kind of experiencing the small uh, beginning stages of financial blues but then fast forward a few years later when my son was like two or three we had relocated to another city now after I had my son my business took off like I was doing really great I had a staff I had you know huge accounts I was making you know fifteen thousand dollars plus probably like a month from the revenue I was earning from my own business, um, paying people and all this kind of stuff like that. But then he experienced a downturn in his industry. That's when the recession hit. And so he decided to relocate to another state and then eventually we left after him. When we left after him, I also gave up my business. I gave up my, co- my resources, my contracts and those types of things. I couldn't do what I was doing then where I was going to be moving to. So there was that whole financial reliancy kind of thing. And here I'm thinking that we've overcome it. You know, you've seen me at highs again. You know that I can go out here and get the bag. Like, you know this, you know, I'm not lazy. Uh, you know, I, I don't have to rely on you. But however, now that I'm moving from A to B, I'm going to be relying on you again. So again, we kind of started with the whole financial abuse thing where it was like limited rationing out. And it wasn't, and I want to make this clear. Okay. It wasn't limited because he didn't have it. It wasn't limited because we were strapped for cash. It was a mechanism of control. Control. Mm-hmm. And it also was a mechanism. It starts to mentally abuse you because then you start to question your own value, right? Mm-hmm. I remember like feeling like almost kind of like negative soft talk of like, that's what you get, like to myself. You know, that's what you get for having his baby. That's what you get for putting your dreams on hold. That's what you get for... Um, let me ask you, let me ask you why because that's something that we all do when we get into we find ourselves in, in bad situations the first person we blame is ourselves because even with me with the sexual abuse i blame myself even though it happened when i was 8 years old i mean i'm a child he's an adult obviously he knew better but i still blame myself so why do you think you blamed yourself for that because it was a choice. And I feel like there were signs that I saw prior to, you know, prior to the pregnancy, um, prior to moving from one state to the next. There were a, a lot of things, they say red flags, that I ignored um, because I wanted to make it work. I wanted to, I didn't want to be a single mom. You know, my mom was a single mom. I didn't want to go down that same path. So I was just like, I'm going to do what I need to do to make it work. So I think that's kind of where the negative self-talk come from. And I just always have been a firm believer of we make our own choices. Like nobody can make us do anything. But even with your, even with your choice of, of wanting to make it work, one, you know, having, you know, having that choice, right. And, and moving forward with that choice, I don't necessarily think that's a bad, that's a bad thing. Cause people, people can change. Right. I think that the fact that, you know, you didn't stay in that situation, 
right? You didn't like stick to that choice. You, you wasn't like, okay, so I made this choice. So I'm just going to stick to it because I made this choice. So now I have to live in it, right? You made the choice, which is perfectly fine. We all have the right to do so, right? God gave us free will. But once you see, saw that it was a, a toxic relationship and this is not what you signed up for, this is not what you want your kids to, you know, to grow up in, I applaud you for that because there's still, there are people right now who've, who've made you know bad choices I'm doing air crows for the people who can't see me you know who've made bad choices and feel as though because they made their choices they have no other choice but to stick to stick with it right and so the fact that you exercise your right to choose to undo your choice I think that's 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 honorable and I hope a lot of people can learn from that thank you yeah, absolutely. And so, and also before, you know, in our previous conversation, you also talked about how self-awareness helped you to realize, you know, your talents and your skills. So you can come out of that situation. Absolutely. Can you, you know, share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, like once I got to the point of knowing that, okay, you have to leave, like this isn't, this isn't going to work. This isn't for you. And the funny thing about it is like, you know, there, there's con the context in it. There was like a time lapse in like the financial abuse and the other verbal abuse. There was a huge time lapse between those, when those things happened versus when I actually left. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the time period when I actually decided to leave, um, we were actually, it was, you know, we, we had like a good run of maybe like four years with like no issues, no major drama. Um, nothing major, like nothing out of the norm, just your regular relationship, kind of like lulls or whatever, but nothing like traumatic or anything like that. Mm -hmm. However, um, you know, after having a new baby and, you know, like I said, the, 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 some of the voices started to get back louder. And I was like, this isn't gonna work. I'm not taking, going back down that road. Like I was fearful of going back down the road um, from, you know, what, in which we put my son through. So for me, I was just like, mm, this isn't healthy. I need to get her out of this situation. And so, when I was on maternity leave, you know, in maternity leave, you don't get paid. You don't get paid maternity leave unless you have short-term disability. And right. with my company, I never opted for short-term disability because, again, we have a nine-year age gap. I wasn't planning on having a baby, so I didn't, you know, I didn't plan for it. So when I was out on maternity leave, I picked back up my business, which, like I said, I'm a graphic and web designer. So I started reaching out to clients and um, got a lot of business. And so that actually sustained me throughout my pregnancy and my maternity leave. And so... Um, when I went back to work, you know, you start to pay daycare, you know, prices is high. I was away from my child for 12 hours plus a day. Mm. Um, I was like, you know, I want to spend more time with my kid. Um, however, things were kind of like brewing at home. It's like a little quiet storm, kind of like brewing at home in the background between me and, you know, my ex. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of like faced with a choice. Like, what do I do? Do I stay in this job? Do I stay in this house? Like, what can I actually do? And so it was kind of like, all right, let's, you know, let's just kind of see, see how things are going to like play out. So I decided to step out on faith. You know, I talked to him about it. I was like, Hey, I'm going to quit. I want to do this full time. I was able to replace my income while I was on maternity leave. Let me really just put some full steam ahead energy. So he was with it. And so we both kind of like started our businesses full time in the same month in December, 2016. And so, uh, we both just kind of went in like full, full fledged and, and things took off for his business, things took off for my business, but that was kind of like me really just kind of getting my feet wet with, you know, creating like a self-sustaining uh, business again, because I had done it previously, so I knew I could do it, it just was a matter of how do I do it now with the baby, and now um, in a new city, and those types of things, so um, I just, you know, decided to just really put myself out there, let people know that I was working full time on graphics and I was available and I attended a lot of networking events and just kind of really just started to be more visible within the marketplace and online and social media, letting people know like, hey, these are the skills that I possess and letting people know that I was now designing full time. And so I had a few people that was like, hey, you know, yes, I need your help. And so it kind of was like one opportunity that led to the next opportunity that led to the next opportunity that led to the next opportunity. And people saw that I was a mom and had a new baby. And so they were supportive of it. They were like, yeah, we want to, we want to support your business. And so I think, you know, thankful that I had my kids because a lot of times I think people, when they see a single mom, not say I was a single mom at the time, when they see a mom, they know that they're impacting more than just the person they're impacting the family. And so I think that that definitely is something that kind of helped me build a momentum with my business because people knew that they were supporting a family and not just a single person. So I could, you know, 
you know, do whatever it is that I wanted to do. They, they felt more vested in it. Um, and so that's kind of like what I use as momentum to kind of build my client base, my customer base. And then eventually, because it had gotten to a certain point, that's what I was able to be able to walk away from a toxic um, marriage and relationship. Because that over that next year of us both being full-time business owner, like things just deteriorated severely. Um, there was a lot of jealousy, you know, who's making more money here, there. I was going to ask that because you say you went through a little period of everything being, you know, quote unquote normal. Quote, quote, good. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask, so what was that, what was that breaking point? It was the, it was the entrepreneurship. I think it was, you know, my business was doing good at one point. His business was doing good at another point. Um, we weren't, you know, communicating about how much money we were actually making. It caused stress and tensions. Um, things were being done. Like I was doing stuff without his, his awareness. He was doing stuff without my awareness. And so those, you know, you have those arguments, you have that pillow talk at the end of the night. Oh, I didn't know you was doing this. And then it kind of festers into, you know, days of not speaking and disrespect and, you know, just like discourse and just, you know, pass, passing ships in the household, those types of things where it's kind of to, you know, you, you can get over that, you patch that up and then it's something else and you patch that up and it's something else. And like, pretty much I would say that, um, that's how that year was. 2017 was a year of just patching up holes of stuff, never really fixing it, never really addressing it, never really, um, saying this is a problem and we really need to get to the same page. It was just a patch of it. And we moved to the next problem, patch this up, move to the next problem. And I think we chalked a lot of it up to us folks both being like first year full-time entrepreneurs. Um, but a lot of it also kind of like showed, showed our hands. Like, you know, now that we're doing what we say we want to do, how do you act? Mm. How do you treat your family? Mm. How do you spend your time? Because a lot of times what a lot of people, the reason why they go into entrepreneurship is because they're looking for perfect conditions. Right. And so the perception of entrepreneurship is that perfect conditions. You make your own schedule, you do what you want to do, you're your own boss, and da 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 da. You make lots of money. And while some of those things are true, they're not true all the time. And so I think that that year definitely showed me who he was because that was a year where he had very, very low, 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 low times and he had very, very high, high, high times. And in those high times, I seen a level of selfishness that I had not seen previously. Mm. And I'm like, well, this is who you're going to be when you get the success. Then I don't want, I don't, this is not how I want to live my life. Um, and then it was more of like, oh, it was just a lot of financial. It still was like financial abuse almost in the sense yeah. of like, oh, you're making money. So you pay for it stuff that normally that was traditionally his role but now it became a matter of because now I'm making money not not that I wasn't making money previously because I had a job had employment paid bills and all those things but it kind of came to a point where I was making maybe as much money as he was where it was like now now you take care of it I'm not taking care of it I've been taking care of it all the time it's like wait 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 we're not changing roles here because of the money that's coming to household, like these are the roles. You take care of these things, I take care of these things. As long as I'm taking care of these things, then we should be taking care of these things. Like we're not, we, we never had a conversation to say that now that the, the playing field is a little bit more level, that now I'm responsible for all this extra stuff. Like I'm like, no, sir. <laughs> that's so, financial abuse, abuse coming in. The financial abuse, you know, it, it really was. And then it was like, you know, not being, not disclosing what was what was going on with the money and you know getting real defensive when you ask questions about the money like well what i thought you had a good week or you was on a road for two weeks and because he's a truck driver you were on a road for two weeks and you said that this was gonna be a twelve thousand dollar check and then now you're telling me you need me to help you pay this why you know and it's like oh i had a, you know just that whole defensive kind of like tone and so it just really like it kind of really like i i was disappointed I was disappointed because I remember us talking about the days where we would make the type of money that we had started to make and the things that we said we would do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. And none of those things happened. And I saw that money changed him. He became a lot more arrogant. He became a lot more entitled. He became a lot more uh, verbally abusive where it was kind of like throwing his weight around, you know, even though I was making money, 
So, and then I came defensive, like, I ain't gonna listen to you anyway, because I got my own money. So, you know, I think too, it was kind of like where I started when I had, I felt the financial independence, I threatened him also a lot. Like, oh, I can just leave. I don't have to be here. I don't need to be here. Um, and so it was a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a lot of that for a while. And, um, yeah, I think that that definitely deteriorated the marriage the most. And it's so crazy because, you know, you hear about people when they say, you know, when you have success or money is not, money doesn't always bring out the best in people. That's it. And that's it. Money magnifies, you know, the situation or, or magnifies who you truly are. That's it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't change you, uh, if you will. Um, and, and I think that a lot of us or, or some people, instead of using money as a tool, right, they just fall in love with it and they think it's the source. The source. It's It's not the source of, of happiness. I mean, it's definitely a tool that you can use, but, but don't let it be, don't let it be the, the source, you know, um, I think your situation is unique because within the the toxic situation, you, you know, you use self-awareness to really learn the talents and the skills that you just talked about, you know, like the graphic design and, and things like that. And, um, so when she was out of the toxic situation, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that it was for the most part, maybe an easy transition because you already had an established business in place. So you kind of was able to just move on, so to speak. Well, you know, yes and no. So when I was in the business and I was still married, um, the only thing I did was pretty much like replace my income Mm. that I had like as a employee. Okay there was not the same level of like drive, ambition, growth. None of those things was important. It was just about, my main thing was as long as I'm making as much as I made previously, then I'm okay. I do, you think, do you think having a life coach at that time would have helped out a little bit for you? Um, probably so. Probably so. But what happened after I left, once I made the decision, I left like literally within a matter of weeks, my business transformed. Like once I had had it set in my mind that I'm going to actually leave and found a place and all those kind of things. Like my account, I went from having like $300 in my account to having $7,000 in my account within a matter of days. And that was my clients like, Hey, I met you here. You said you did this and I need these services now. Hey, I forgot to pay an invoice. I forgot to pay you this month. Can I go ahead and pay you now? Hey, um, I know we've contracted for this, but now I want to upgrade to this. So like literally within a matter of days, I went from like not knowing if I could leave and not because all I made was $350, but sometimes, you know, you have business, you have, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. waiting to pay me. So sometimes it's, I'm waiting, you know, it's a waiting game. So I went from not knowing if I could leave to having more than enough to, I needed to leave. And literally from the time that I actually made the decision to leave, which I say is two years, um, Two years, February, January 29th will be two years to the day where I got my keys to my actual place. And then um, I, I've, I've never looked back and my business has, I've 3X my income. Um, and yeah, I mean, I de- you know, a part of that was getting coaching. A part of that was going to therapy. A part of that was mm-hmm. um, just being in a non-toxic environment. I, I can't really stress enough that- yeah being in some place being someplace like my mom used to always say this thing like sometimes you gotta pay for your peace and I had to me moving and me being independent was me paying for my peace me paying for my peace and I didn't understand that message for a long time until I actually had experienced it where I was like was it scary heck yes are there months where I'm like, I don't know how we're going to make it. Heck yes. Because being a business owner, that's just, that's the reality of the situation. Like you have your highs and you have your lows when you're depending on other people to pay your, you know, pay the invoices on time to do what they say they're going to do, to come on board, to, to honor their word, all these different things or whatever. You're kind of at the mercy of, um, of other people. And so for the first year or two, really like that's kind of how I've been surviving. But the great thing about it is, I started to have a mindset shift towards the end of last year where I was like, okay, I have to do more than survive. I want to thrive. 
And that's when I really started kind of like really getting clear on like money and the proper usage of money and the proper allocation of money and realizing that I can't just live for today. Yes. I have to start planning for the future. Mm-hmm. I made it. Because at first you're in survival mode because you don't know mm-hmm. if you're going to make it. I made it. Not only did I make it, I made it and took five vacations the year that I left my husband. Then mm-hmm. have subsequently taken my kids to Disney two times since I left my husband and taken other vacations and flown and, you know, been to, like, I've done all the things that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. Live in a nice place, you know, paying for extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. Do all the things I didn't know how to do, right? And so it was, while it's nice to have the money and resources to do those things, now I'm in a position where it's like, okay, you've done that, but what's next? Like now it's starting to start to be a little bit more responsible with your money, your finances. Mm-hmm. It's start time to do a lot more saving. It's time to like start planning for their future. Start time to start planning for your future. You're not getting any younger and really just diversify, diversifying your revenue streams. Um, building your credit, doing all the things I guess like, you know, responsible adults should do. Um, and so like, that's kind of where I'm at mentally now, where it's like, now that's kind of like, I'm like, I had the fun and I said, I don't want to continue to have fun, but like, I had a great two years coming out of the relationship and really being able to like, not feel limited because I think there's always that fear is, I know for me, we lived in a house in a nice neighborhood. I was like, I want to have my kids have that same exact experience. And so we live in a nice neighborhood. My son goes to a dynamic great school mm-hmm. my daughter's in the same daycare she's been in since she was six months old so nothing nothing has skipped a beat and so I you know felt very proud to be able to provide them with those experiences but now I'm like okay I've done that so now what's next that's awesome because because what you just described it seems like that once you got out of that toxic situation you started to recognize negative core beliefs and unlearn those things mm-hmm. right so you can put you know better practices in place and i think that's i think that's amazing you know because even with with me on my healing journey because once i you know heal from from the sexual abuse it was like okay so now what <laughs> you know little on me I just thought that I would just it would just automatically come to me you know what to do next so but I just had to figure that out and um it sounded like you automatically went into you know unlearning all of the negative the negative core beliefs that you know built up from being in that toxic situation so that is that is amazing you know it's a lot of player prayers and journal writing I got journals and, you know, it was a lot of tears. It was a lot of just like, I had to make it work. You know, I, I say, you know, I feel like God made a way out of no way. Many times, you know, relationships, he put people to stand in the gap, friendships, all these different things. He aligned different things, scenarios so that I could get to where I'm at today. Like, I definitely don't feel like I'm taking the credit. I'm like, oh, I went out here and did my thing. And then this is all because of me. So I can't even take the credit for that. And even the whole unlearning the beliefs and those types of things, that was prayer. You know, that was meditation. That was journaling. That was asking God, you know, let me not lean on my own understanding. Cause a lot of things didn't make sense to me, but I knew that irregardless of made sense or not, I still need to press forward. I still need to move forward. And and feeling like it was going to be okay. And I think that was even like in my marriage, one of the things that I always knew is that I had this assured confidence that everything was going to be okay. I never Mm. felt like things weren't going to be okay. Even in the darkest of times in the marriage, I always, I always had this, like, everything's going to be okay. Like I never felt like things weren't going to be okay. I never felt like I had to deal with everything on my own. And I don't know if that like makes sense because I know sometimes like in your mind, like I'm a, I write my prayers. So anytime I have books of, I have years of prayers. And this is one of the reasons why for me, I couldn't ever go back to that situation because I have journals of prayers where I prayed to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And when I go back and read them, it's just like God delivered me, right? These are the things I asked him for. I asked him to bless me abundantly so that I could provide for my children. I weeped in my journals about, being in a situation that was so hurtful and so damaging and all these things. So it's like, you delivered me. And so when I go back and look at those pages of prayers mm. and taking me back to where I was in those moments of darkness, even then I was relying on God to get me out. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I knew that I couldn't do it in my own strength. I knew that he was the one that was going to have to help me not mm. only get through, but then to get me out. 
girl, you about to make me start crying because <laughs> what you're saying, yes, it makes, yes, it makes sense. And not everybody can say that. That's why I'm about, it, it makes me want to tear up because not everybody can say that because I wasn't able to say that. But also at, at the same time is when I was deep in it, you know, I didn't have a relationship with God because we didn't go. My mom didn't, didn't, didn't take us to church, you know? So I was always questioning why I was in that, that situation. And, and so seeing a brighter day, I, I, it, it never even really came across my mind. It just, it just never did. So the fact that you were able to still lean on your faith, <laughs> despite what you was going through and, and just really believe in the inner of your soul that it was going to, everything was going to get better. I think that's amazing. And I just. And I feel like God always showed me little glimmers of hope though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you know, it wasn't a tumultuous every day of the seven years. Every day of the 14 years was hard. He would show me little lights, a glimmer of hope. And he said, you know, you know, the scripture that says the Lord will be a light, a lamp to your, your footsteps. Your or, foot. mm -hmm. um, you have to, you have to kind of like know what you want. You, you really do and have to be able to verbally, um, communicate that because I think that is so funny because I remember when I was in therapy she asked me she was like asking me those basic questions about myself and like who am I and just different things and certain things and it was so crazy that I couldn't ask answer basic questions about myself because I was so entrenched in what I had done for my children and my husband like I didn't even know who I was and I think as women we always put everybody else's needs above our own mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. we I think that that's like one of the things of just even just acknowledging like this is what I need you know mm -hmm. that's good and and you're absolutely right which is why I started when I started the the podcast you know at the beginning of the year the first episode was on clarity getting clarity on who you are and what it means to live in your truth because you we do lose ourselves and even you know for us who are who are not mothers because like even me you know um it's, it's easy it's easy for me to lose myself in helping my family you know um because as as women we're nurturers we want to help other people so it's easy to get lost and lose who you are so that clarity is is key and um and, and you're right, God does give us signs, but how many of us don't even pay attention to the signs because the signs are not number one what we want to hear. And they're not coming across in the manner that we will want it to come across. And it's not telling us what it is that we want to hear. So we ignore it. Oh, Lord, that, that came to me, what, you, what you're, what you're telling me, right? So I, I just, again, I, I just commend you for even just like asking, being clear and paying attention and, and acting upon it and, and, you know, holding on to dear life, to your, to your faith. I think that is, I think that is, that's amazing. I really think that's, I think it's a, you know, the faith without works is dead kind of thing. Like it's not just enough to just ask, but I think that we have to take action. Um, I think that that's the piece too. I, I was reading something recently and it was, it was something about business, but they was like, you can't keep praying to God about, something but then you're not doing anything like you're still being lazy you're still not doing what you need to do in your business you, he's not going to do the work for you right and you know i think that can be applied to like various areas in our life where we say okay lord you know we want and sometimes i mean he's a powerful guy so he can do miraculous things but i think that we still have to like take the action and so like if you know you're in a situation where you're like hey i want to get out of this situation what action steps are you taking like are you saving right? You know, you're going to need to move. Are you putting money aside? Are you planning? Are you getting a backup plan? Are you thinking about, okay, you know, how much money do I need? How much does it cost for rent? How much does it cost? Like start getting those numbers in your head so that you can know, like, can I realistically go out here and afford to be out here? Or am I going to have to be in a shelter? Or do I have to live with a family member? Which family members can I move to? Who's going to understand? And I think that some of those actions are kind to going to help you either make the decision Mm -hmm. or it's going to help you decide if you need to rise to occasion or you need to do something differently. And I think that that's the best way to plan is to actually put action into it. I mean, and that just like, you can apply that to so many areas in life where even like, well, my health, like I say, okay, God, I want to lose weight. Help me, you know? And so I started going to the gym, started to lose weight, but then you go back to eating bad things. 
what happens? You gain weight. So I said, okay, Lord, help me lose weight again. And it's like, okay, not only do you have to work out, but you got to stop eating these things, you know? And then when I, when I don't, then the reverse comes back and I say, Lord, help me again. It's, it still takes my action, right? Mm-hmm. To see the, see the change come about. And I think that the prayer of the surrender, the prayer part is surrendering and saying, or acknowledging and saying, yes, I do need support in this. Like I'm not strong enough in my own will. So help me be strong enough to leave. Help me be strong enough to lose weight. Help me be strong enough to launch my business. Help me be strong enough to be who I need to be for my, my, my children to be a better parent. Help me be strong enough. So it's like, I think just the acknowledgement of God or the writing in the journal or the prayer is just surrendering and saying that I can't do it in my own strength. And so please provide me with the tools that I need, but then also provide me with the willingness to take actions. I think we have to take action. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and for those of you out there who's, you know, who's listening to this and maybe saying, Oh, that's easier said than done, you know, continue to, to pray about it. And then, you know, reach out to ask me. For guidance. That's what I'm, that's what I'm here for. And ask for guidance and say like, yes. some of my prayers is Lord, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them have been that big. Like I have these conversations with God, like in the morning, I'd be telling him all kinds of stuff. Like, look, I don't know how this is going to happen. So I need like, literally I'm, I get super vulnerable. It's not no prayer from the Bible. That's like, oh, it has to be like, I'm like, God, I don't know how or why or when or where, but this is what I need your help in. And I acknowledge my weaknesses. Like, yes, I know I said this before and I didn't do it and I didn't keep my word. Like, that's my relationship with God. You know, like I'm, I'm very, very transparent and me talking to him and talking through the thoughts in my, like, even like my, my failures and my insecurities, like I, I bring these things up to him and say, this is the areas where I'm weak in. Please make me strong. And I think that acknowledgement of self, and you hear this in other areas where they say the first step is, is acknowledging. Like if a person has an addiction or something like that, they're like, in order to heal, you have to acknowledge. And I think in order to grow, we have to acknowledge where we need, what areas we're weak in, in order for it to be like, okay, now let's start working on that. And that's that whole, like you said, self-awareness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a requirement mm-hmm. we can't live in the facade like you know my marriage was so crazy because like people looked up to us like on the outside people looked up to us like we were counseling couples like other couples come to us like hey this is what's going on and wow. our marriage, and we were telling them like this is what you need to do to stay together and those types of things having marriage events marriage retreats all types of things so on the outside looking in we had the ideal relationship but it was a lot of discourse underneath you know so mm-hmm. like you you have to ask for what you need and ask for what you want, right? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes even in knowing better, that doesn't always mean you do better. So that's why I think that being transparent with God and say, yes, I know what I need to do, but I still don't have the willpower to do it. Help me in my unbelief or help me overcome myself, help me overcome this fear, doubt, whatever it is, like really just kind of be transparent and so you can get unstuck because I know what it feels like to feel stuck. I know what I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy to walk away. I know it's not easy to uh to be sure that your finances are going to be in order. Mm-hmm. None of it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to stay either. Mm-hmm. So which easy mm-hmm. do you want? Or which hard do you want? Do you want the hard of staying right, right. you don't need to be in? The less to the hard of possibly being able to come out here on the other side of it and thrive. Which hard? Choose your hard. Yeah. Yeah, the lesser two evils. And then we also have to, like, when he, because he answered all prayers, right? Whatever your prayer is, he's going to answer it. So you have, like you said before, you have to take action. And if you need help doing that, you know, that's where you come to a self-awareness coach to get that, you know, to get that help that you, that help that you need. That's when you go and get the therapy. Like you said, you went to therapy and I've gone through therapy and I'm, and I'm in therapy. So, you know, get the help uh, that I need in order to take action on what it is that God has told me to do. Right. Because once you pray, he answer it, you know, that action is going to be difficult to take that action because you're going to have to do something different than your, your norm. In order for you to have something different, experience something different, you're going to have to do something different. And so that's where it can pose a challenge to some people. But if that's the case, then that's when you need to open up your mouth and ask for help. Cause they say, like they say, closed mouths don't get fat. Yeah, I think that's great. And I mean, you know, that the fact that they have self-awareness coaches out there or they have people, you know, like you with your platform that is saying like, you can overcome trauma, you can overcome Mm -hmm. abuse, you can overcome whatever the challenges are as women. I think, you know, we put so much on our shoulders and we blame ourselves for so much, like you were saying earlier, Mm -hmm. Um, even when certain things aren't our fault. 
you know, we just tend to like internalize those things, those words, those thoughts, those doubts, uh, projections from other people, projections from society. Um, we tend to internalize them and, you know, you have to have a way to get it out, to be able to talk it out or to be able to just kind of like work through it. You know, like, you know, like I said, by no means am I just trying to say like, this has been an easy journey. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying that All it's right. a journey and you can get through it and there's good on the other side. You know, once you, you say, you make the decision to say, I want to get the help that I need to get, however it is that you need to get it and just move in that action. And so I just hope that, you know, somebody out there listening, they may be wavering with not really knowing what to do, if they should leave, if they should stay. You know, I definitely would say, you know, of course, start with prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, get aware, self-aware. What do you need? What do you feel like you need? What do you feel like you're missing? And really just kind of get on one accord with God about those things and then use the resources that you do have access to to try to make you a plan so that you can get out of the situation that's no longer serving you. And and have pride about it. So I think a lot of time, a lot of stuff is with shame where we feel like we're going to disappoint people, let people down and those types of things. And so shame is also something that's self-inflicted. It's not you know what I'm saying? Like we shamed of ourselves and stuff. And that's why we have to be gentle with ourselves and be delicate. And sometimes that's why therapy is needed because it may be something that you can't get over on your own. So you need a therapist or a coach to kind of help you get over those things. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to choose life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks for those beautiful, thanks for those beautiful words. And I just pray that um, they land on, on, on somebody and convicts them and, and helps them to make the decision to um, get the help that they need to lead the toxic relationship that they're possibly in. But be, before I let you go, because this was an amazing conversation, thank you so much for, for sharing your story and being so open and transparent right? Because um, I, I truly believe that there is power behind our, our testimonies. And we can definitely bless, be a blessing just by sharing that testimony. So I want to thank you for that. But before I let you go, I want to know what book or audible book that you have read that has, you know, impacted or changed your life in any way? Uh, so I definitely have two. Um, Audible, um, Don't Settle for Safe by Sarah Jakes Roberts was, uh, one of the books I listened to while doing laundry one morning, once I had already made the decision in my mind that I wanted to leave, but I didn't know how to leave. Mm. And I was listening to this book and like, literally I could not stop listening to it. My new baby that I'm really excited about, um, uh, publishing and, um, it's been getting really, really great reviews. And I'm just really excited about what this is doing for people's lives because although it, it sprinkles my story in there a little bit, but it just talks about how to stop thinking like an employee and start thinking like an entrepreneur. That's actually the subtitle of the book. And so I think for people that are looking for ways to create revenue streams and really say, okay, Hey, I know I want to leave, but I need the financial support to be able to do it. Or I need some additional revenues. I feel like this book is a great tool to actually get you there from a mindset perspective when actually being able to excel and grow, um, um, or begin your business. We're going to show notes to <laughs> and click the link to get both of the books that she, um, she recommended. And so let, last question, when describing living your truth, um, complete this phrase and I give you these two words, okay? Tell me what's your third word. Self-awareness, purpose, and flexibility. Hmm. I like that. Flexibility. And I say flexibility because I feel like, you know, you have to be flexible because things are not always going to work the way you think they should work. And you have to be able to be able to bend. And that's me dropping the clue <laughs> for those who's watching on Facebook. Thank you so much, Shamir. This was amazing. This was amazing. Thank you so much. And when I see you on Thursday, girl, I'm going to have to give you a hug on Thursday. <laughs> You know, this is awesome. Like it was, you know, I don't, you know, this was definitely a transparent conversation and, you know, it was filled with a lot of, you know, just kind of like thoughts, kind of like going back to different periods in life or whatever, and just kind of like resurfacing some things. And so, um, yeah, like this, this was definitely good. And it's, I think it's good to kind of do this kind of work where you're actually talking about talking about it and being vulnerable. Cause I think that that's okay. Um, so this, thank you for providing the platform. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. And again, I hope that it does land on some good soil and that, you know, some women will be able to benefit from the conversation that we had today. 
absolutely. You're absolutely welcome. And I'm sure that it will. Thank you. Now, in Shamira's case, she was able to thrive after making a decision to leave her toxic situation. You know, her children are better for it. She's better for it because she's operating in her purpose and she's flourishing. Her children are flourishing, right? But maybe you're still not convinced that leaving a toxic environment over raising your children in a two-parent household is the right choice. And if that's the case, then next week, I'm going to talk to a beautiful young lady who will share the effects of growing up in a toxic environment. Her story would definitely pull at your heartstrings. So please make sure, make sure to have your tissue (laughs) and an open mind because she's probably one of the bravest people that I know. So please come back next week for that conversation. But family, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my podcast every week. You know, for the first few months of this year, the conversations that you've heard, you know, here on the podcast have discussed, you know, different elements that you need to consider with building a strategy for your vision. And if you need to catch up on, you know, the previous episodes, I implore you to do so because I'm literally taking you on a journey on how to build a strategy for manifesting the vision that you have for your life. But if you have been rocking with me and you need additional help, you know, in this area, then please visit strategizeyourvision.com for more information. My Master Life class, Strategize Your Vision, is officially open, and this is the opportunity, you know, for us to work together on creating a rock-solid strategy that you need to manifest the life that you have vision for yourself, the life that you desire and deserve. Again, visit strategizeyourvision.com or click the link in the show notes. Please remember to leave a five-star rating. Please remember to comment, share with everybody you know, to share living her truth across all your social media platforms. Because as you know, I set a really lofty goal to touch 1 million hearts within the next two years. And I can only do that family with your help. I can only do it with your help. So please remember to download each episode, share and talk about living her truth with everyone you know, like everyone you know. Well, family, I appreciate you. My heart is filled with gratitude. So until next time, always remember that you are enough and your truth is beautiful.